Okay, I'm live here with 52 weeks of EWS episode 13. I'm still focused on the solutions architect material. And last week I was able to talk about some networking material, but this week I'm gonna get into uh, more networking and talk about connecting uh, networks. Uh, and uh, what we'll do is I'll just go ahead and uh, share my screen here to, to start with. <clears throat> And let's go ahead and get started. Let's go here, connecting. And here we go. Got the material up here, connecting networks. Let's go to a presenter view. So a few things to talk about with connecting network. Uh, we're gonna cover these topics today. Uh, architectural needs connecting to a site-to-site -site VPN, also talking about direct connect VPCs in AWS with VPC peering. This happens a lot with maybe a SaaS offering that you're using like Databricks, scaling your VPC network with Transit Gateway, and then also connecting to VPC via supported services. All right, so let's dive into this and get started. Uh, architectural needs. This is always a good place to start is you have some cafe and you want to make a multiple VPC architecture. So how would we do this? Well, let's get through some of the details here. To start with, we would want to uh, talk about site-to-site -site VPN. And this is a highly available solution that you can use to securely connect your on-prem network and your branch uh, office to your VPC. So I've definitely used this with AWS. It's a pretty cool feature. And what's nice about it is that you can have your own network inside of AWS with, let's say, like a front-end website that you're developing. You don't want the public to see it yet. So what you could do is you could set up a VPC with S3 and have your static site hosted there. But then when you use VPN, it opens up that static hosted site and you can do your development to it. So it's really a great uh, workflow if you're doing developers, developer type, type connections. Uh, and there are a couple of different ways you can do this. You can do static and dynamic routing. So static would mean that you would have to specify all the routes. Uh, dynamic uses the border gateway protocol or BGP. And so this is, I would say probably what you would wanna use the BGP uh, because you essentially can just access everything on the network by using the VPN. So here's an example of how to connect multiple VPNs. So you would have, let's say a Los Angeles studio where you're doing filming. When I worked in the film industry, we would do stuff like this and maybe another network in Chicago, another one in New York. All of those can connect via VPN into the virtual private gateway where it's uh, completely protected Nobody from the outside world can access it, uh, but you are able to access all the resources on your VPN. So a, a pretty neat little way to connect and that everybody's um, network in these different cities becomes part of the network inside of AWS. Again, that's completely private. So a site-to-site -site VPN is the way to go. It supports static and dynamic routing, and you can have multiple VPN clients. Okay, let's talk about another one, uh, remote network with AWS Direct Connect. So Direct Connect or DX is pretty interesting service. It allows you to have a dedicated private network connection capable of 
either one or 10 gigabyte uh, of bandwidth. So if you think about it, I mean, 10 gigabytes of bandwidth is quite a lot of um, traffic. And so you can reduce data transfer costs, you can improve application performance. Uh, and what's nice about this is that it can essentially be passively uh, connected to your own uh, data center. So what are some use cases here? Uh, let's say a hybrid environment. So if you wanted to uh, have access to an existing data center equipment, let's say like a specialized database, that would be one use case. Another one would be you need to go back and forth and maybe you're doing deep learning and you have a bunch of large data sets and you want to operate on those data sets, you could go back and forth and build a high-performance compute um, clusters that had both the cloud and your on-prem. Uh, another one that would be interesting would be improved uh, application performance. So if you had uh, systems that could benefit from it, this could be real-time data, video feeds. Uh, another one would be security and compliance. So you have maybe some kind of regulatory environment that requires maybe the cloud for a component of it. You could actually uh, dial, dial in the direct connect for this. So here's a good uh, architectural diagram here that shows what's happening. The, the DX is linking to an internal network over standard uh, fiber optic cable. And then at one end of the cable, you're connected to the router. The other one is connected to a DX router and you can create this virtual uh, interface. And then you can talk to things like S3 or you know other resources uh, inside of AWS. Uh, and so it really is a, a pretty nice option for companies that need to integrate both the AWS and all the cloud native features, plus maybe like specialized hardware or even legacy systems inside of their own corporate data center. So another thing you can do with DX is also have a backup VPN connection and so this is a way of connecting your data center and your VPC by coupling the DX connection for primary connectivity with a lower cost backup VPN connection. And so in this particular scenario, there's two dynamically routed connections, right? So all the traffic can, can flow through and one uses DX and the other one uses a VPN. And so you can kind of use the best of both worlds or use it as a backup depending on what it is you want to do. And this is a good approach for the primary network would have maybe all the traffic going through the uh, DX, but then the backup VPN is there just in case you need it, in case there's some, some kind of an outage or some kind of an issue. The VPN, though, can only go up to 1.25 gigs, where the Direct Connect can go up to 10. <clears throat> so next up, we have uh, high resiliency for workloads with uh, Direct Connect. You can also build fault tolerant um, systems. And so you could have potentially two different corporate data centers. And each of those could uh, have a direct connect uh, system there. And then those could go through the, the VPC. So that would be an interesting scenario as well, because you can kind of leverage your own existing, uh, you know, you know, fault tolerance system for multiple data centers. Many places I've worked at, we've had multiple data centers that we managed, but then you could also connect those to the cloud uh, at the same time. So really, in a nutshell, you know, Direct Connect uses open standard 802.1Q VLANs. Um, you can access this with any VPC or public AWS in any region except for China, uh, mainland China, uh, and you can implement highly available 
connectivity between data centers and a VPC. And if you want to do a, a fault tolerance, uh, highly resilient architecture, you can also do that with multiple data centers. So let's now talk about how to connect VPCs in AWS with VPC peering, which is something that you'll see a lot with like uh, big data systems, like Databricks is a good example, where you will have uh, maybe a managed service or Snowflake. I think they may, I'm guessing they might use something like this, where, where basically you can, can transfer things between two different VPCs. And this allows you to isolate some of your workloads and you might need to transfer between two more VPCs like development, test, or production. Let's say you have maybe some data in one of the VPCs, like the production VPC, and you want to copy that into maybe a test environment, that this would be a good solution as well. So VPC peering is a one-to-one -one networking uh, between two VPCs, and it lets you communicate with things in the same network and you can create a VPC peer, peering connection between your own VPC or with a VPC in another AWS account or even with a VPC in a different AWS region. Uh, you can establish these relationships between different AWS regions like, you know, uh, internet uh, inter-region VPC peering is a simple way to do this. The data is transferred across the inter-region VPC uh, Inter-region VPC peering enables VPC resources to communicate with each other using the private IP addresses. Good examples of this would be EC2, RDS, Lambda. The traffic is still in the private uh, IP address uh, space and all the traffic is encrypted. And so you don't have to worry about this being over the public network as well, which is a, a pretty neat feature. So how would you establish the VPC peering? Well, you would have in this particular example here, the owner of the VPC sends a request to the owner of the VPC peer. And you say, listen, we wanna connect these two things. And then to enable the flow of the traffic, you would have to add a route to one or more of your VPC route tables. And then you also might need to update, let's say security group, group rules so that you can send the traffic back and forth to those destinations. Here's a uh, a few restrictions to be aware of is that um, there's private addresses. It can be established though between different AWS accounts. Again, for software as a service products, you'll see this a lot. You can't have overlapping CIDR blocks uh, and you can only have one peering resource between any two VPCs. So you can't set a VPC peering with like three different VPCs and there is no concept of a transitive peering. For example, like if if you the production VPC is connected to the development VPC, by default, the VPC peering does not allow the production VPC to connect to the development VPC, right? So you have to explicitly enable that. So consideration for peering multiple VPCs, a few things to consider is only connect VPCs that truly must communicate with each other and make sure you can scale according to your current and future VPC connectivity needs. So I guess really in a nutshell, don't create a like a super complex VPC peering setup when you don't need to, right? You're, you're gonna introduce uh, problems in the future. So here's an example, VPC peering for a shared resource. Uh, in this example, a department in a company peers with a shared service and this VPC is able to connect to maybe Active Directory, 
the security scanning tools, monitoring, logging tools, and then the VPC peering enables company applications that are in different VPCs to access the shared services. Uh, all right, in a nutshell, VPC peering is one-to-one -one, and you can establish them across different uh, regions. And there's a few things to be aware of. Like, for example, you can establish a VPC peering between totally different AWS accounts, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and, uh, you know, this might be a good thing to go through on your own is set up your own VPC peering. And let's go next here to talk about scaling a VPC network with AWS Transit Gateway. So in this example here, we have a network that is across multiple VPCs. So we have something where it has got a lot of stuff going on you know, customer gateway, VPN connections, all kinds of peering. But what if we want to just make something much simpler uh, where you have, I guess, more of like a hub and spoke type model. Uh, and so how would you do this? Well, we can do this with AWS Transit Gateway. So what is it? It's a service that enables you to connect your VPCs and on-prem networks to just one single gateway. And the advantage of this is that um, you, you basically have a central gateway into each VPC on-prem data center or remote office. And so it's a hub and spoke model and it simplifies your network and reduces the operational costs because each network can only need to connect to the transit gateway and doesn't need to connect to every other network. And any new VPC is just connected to the transit gateway and then automatically available to every, every other network. And so you can use this to connect up to 5,000 VPCs in on-prem networks. So this is a very interesting uh, scenario here where if you did have to do something that was at that level, this would be a great solution. So here's a scenario, you wanna connect three VPCs. Uh, you potentially would wanna learn how to deploy AWS Transit Gateway in those with non overlapping IP addresses. Uh, so you would then go through and set up this um, transit gateway hub, and it would be a regional virtual router for traffic between the VPC and the VPN. And then you could set up a transit gateway through Amazon VPC dashboard, and you could just take a look at how it works. <clears throat> uh, so the next thing you would do is connect the VPC through Elastic uh, Network Interfaces or ENIs and then those would be deployed into the subnets. And then you'd have to go through and make sure that the availability zone that's part of the VPC has an ENI that connects to the VPC to the transit gateway. You can do this by selecting at least one subnet for each of the availability zones for the ENI. And so in this particular example here, what we have is a route table for the VPC3 that has a single destination that is local for VPC3 using that network. So after you go through and you attach the ENI, the next step is to add a route to the VPC table to send the traffic. In this particular example here, we see that the VPC3 route is a traffic de destined for that network, which is 10.0.0 8. And this route enables any traffic from the VPC3 going to either VPC1 or 2 because a CIDR block 
uh, 10.0000/8 includes the 10x0016 setter block, which is used by individual VPCs. So really, it's kind of gluing these things together. And then four, you would update the transit gateway route table. And then once you do this, the uh, route, the transit gateway is able to send any traffic destined for the network uh, through to the, the locations that it needs to go to. So really, it then becomes the hub and spoke. Uh, you can also use the transit gateway to connect multiple VPCs and also have isolation as well. And so you can prevent your VPCs from directly connecting to each other. And you could make the make it decide if traffic from one VPC has to be forwarded or not, which is which is a nice capability. To implement that strategy, you would um, in the transit gateway route table send all known traffic to the VPC. And then when traffic for any of the VPCs in the 10.0.0.0 slash eight network is sent from VPC three to the transit gateway, you would then have the transit gateway forward the traffic to the VPN as shown right here on the slide. And this transit gateway will not send the traffic to any other VPCs because there's no routes, right? So you have total control over how to route the traffic once you have them hooked into the transit gateway. You could send them to all, or you could isolate the traffic. You can also have multiple transit gateways for specific types of uh, workflows. And so maybe a second one will direct inbound traffic from the VPC to one of the corresponding VPCs attached to the transit gateway. Okay, so that's good to know about. And so this would be just kind of a hypothetical scenario here where if you have five VPCs that you want to connect to the AWS Transit Gateway, what would you do? Well, each route would uh, add uh, connectivity to the VPC route tables, and the routes would also need, be needed uh, to be set up so that you, you would be able to, to make these things talk to each other. So what, I guess the hypothetical situation is what would you need to do to make these um, scenarios work? And so in this particular example here, you can see that the um, the, the route tables are listed. Uh, 10.1.0.016 would go to VPC ATT1XXX and so on. All right, so that's really the um, AWS Transit Gateway. I think we can talk about connecting your VPC to supported services next. So VPC endpoints, uh, which I mentioned earlier, I've used with S3 are really cool because they enable you to privately connect to a VPC to use a service uh, and you can uh, enable traffic between your VPC and other services without leaving the Amazon network. And you don't, it doesn't require internet gateway, VPN, network address, etc. And they're horizontally scaled, uh, redundant and highly available. So what are these uh, examples? So we have interface endpoint. This is a elastic network interface with a private IP address. And so this would be an entry point for traffic. Uh, and this, an example would be this private link uh, concept. Examples would be CloudWatch, EC2 API, Elastic Load Balancer. The second one is a gateway endpoint. And this is a target route for your route table. And this would be something that would work with S3 and DynamoDB. 
And what's nice about this is there's no data processing or charge. You just build for each hour that your VPC endpoint remains provisioned inside. And um, how would you set this up? Here's an example of um, an interface endpoint. You would first you know, find the service you want to use, let's say Kinesis. You would choose the VPC where you want to create an, in, an interface endpoint. You then choose the subnet. And then you can actually, uh, if you want to, enable private domain system uh, for the endpoint. And that is a nice little touch is that in some cases, there's a concept of a split horizon DNS. And, and this is a kind of way goes back into the old days, but it, with split horizon DNS, what happens is there could be two different routes. Like if you come in from the public, you go to one route. If you come in from the private location, you go to another route. And so you could create this whole private world with private DNS uh, names. And then finally you would specify the security groups to be associated with your network uh, address. So what would be an example? Well, here's one where we have an interface endpoint, uh, and this endpoint has DNS host names that are generated and the services like maybe a marketplace service. We also have a private uh, DNS option here enabled. The hosted zone has a record, let's say for example, and it resolves to a private IP address. And this enables the application to make requests to the service using DNS instead of like, a endpoint specific DNS hostname, which can be annoying, right? If you had a, if you have DNS, you can always assure you don't have to change code or do something like that. So that that could be a great scenario for having a full automated, um, you know, infrastructure as code. And then in in this example here, there's a interface endpoint for Kinesis data streams, and the private DNS for the inter interface has not been enabled. In uh, instances in each subnet can send requests to the Kinesis data stream here. So uh, a nice example here of, you know, potentially a private workflow that you could set up with VPC endpoints. The, here's an example of private DNS for the endpoint has been enabled. And this any allows the subnet to use either the default DNS host name or an endpoint specified DNS host name to send requests to Kinesis to stream the data. So in a nutshell, a VPC endpoint allows you to create private networks, which in many scenarios could really work out well, right? Because you don't need to have it exposed to the internet. And maybe this is just an internal uh, type scenario. There's two types of VPC endpoints, interface endpoints and gateway endpoints. So really to wrap things up, we talked about on-prem network to AWS cloud, how to connect VPCs, uh, connecting VPCs in AWS cloud by using VPC peering, and then also how to scale VPCs in the AWS cloud and also how to describe VPCs to support your services. So uh, in a nutshell here, I think next week I will cover, we covered today the um, connecting, I'm gonna cover securing user access and application access next week. Uh, so uh, thank you for uh, showing up today. I'm going to maybe wrap things up and just talk a little bit about some of the things that are interesting about what we covered and what I've done in the real world. Uh, I think these the VPC endpoints are very interesting. Like again, with things like AWS 
S3 because of the ability to 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 essentially use it to do private development, you know, of let's say statically hosted websites. The VPN scenario is also a really nice scenario to have very high security. You don't want to be exposing your resources to the public. And, and there's many scenarios if you're working in a global workplace. I mean, really, at this point, pretty much everybody works from home. You, you would want to have all the people, the software engineers in your organization use a VPC, I'm sorry, VPN connection to connect inside. And then once you're inside the VPN connection, um, you would you would be be able to actually go through and use the resources like you're physically on the network. So, really, a great strategy for for people using uh, you know using these kinds of scenarios. Um, the other thing that we talked about was these direct connect uh, scenario, and I think that's actually a very good scenario as well. Where if you are doing let's say deep learning or you know machine learning or you have some kind of like managed, um, you know, big big data system. You you may already have, have an investment, but you still want to use AWS. Using this direct connect solution is a great scenario because you could get this really fast bandwidth connection between AWS and your own physical data center. So it's you know I think some of these topics sound a little bit abstract, but in the real world, actually they're very very useful to be able to use these kinds of resources. And uh, it is worth studying uh, how to use those those services. And I would say probably VPN and VPC are some of the most approachable services in, in terms of things you can play with very quickly. And I would encourage you to play around with those. So again, I'll see you next week where I talk about securing uh, the users and applications.